So this morning, family, as we were spending some time in worship, and honestly, even in preparation uh, to this morning's message and gathering together, the Lord was recalling to me all of the, the abundance of promises that he has spoken over our lives. Um, and then as we come and we're, and we're worshiping this morning and just kind of like he's recalling uh, to our memory the, just the goodness of God, it reminds me of King David, it reminds me of the Psalms, and how many of those Psalms are uh, King David's way of just rehearsing the goodness of God. How many feel like you are in tune and aware with, aware of the goodness of God in your lives this morning? Because as, as much as we are aware of it, there is so much more beyond what we're aware of that God's grace is active and alive in our lives. And so it's so important for us to, to recall that because we're, we're so quick to kind of keep moving along so fast. We're looking to the next thing, moving on, moving on. We're like, oh, look at what he's already done. Look at the goodness, the promises that have been showered over your lives. Look at what has been accomplished in your life because of the goodness of God. How important it is for every one of us to rehearse the goodness of God. To say and to speak out these things as, a, as an act of acknowledgement, the goodness of God. To remind ourselves, this is because the goodness of God. I am who I am today because of the goodness of God. This is something that we don't do uh, in a mechanical way, like we're going through the motions, but we rehearse it to remind ourselves because we're so quick to forget. Man, we are so quick to forget. And then when we forget the goodness and the abundant blessings in our lives, then we're quick to remember the struggles then we look at the aches and the pains. Then, then our attention is drawn to the pains and the frustrations. He says, rehearse the goodness of God. Rehearse the goodness of God. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to open up to Exodus 23. And just a few verses from towards the end of the chapter. We're going to start in verse 27. Here's what it says there. This is God speaking through Moses. He's addressing Israel, the nation of Israel, after they had left slavery in Egypt. He said, I will send my terror ahead of you, and I will throw into confusion every nation that you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hittites, the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites out of your way. In verse 29, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Let's pray real quick this morning together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you, Father, for waking us up again to experience another morning, another gathering in your name, another opportunity to rehearse your goodness, another opportunity to live in your goodness and experience it all over again, Jesus. This morning, we ask that through your word, your Holy Spirit would, would um, grow within us, that your word, Lord God, would take 
root in our heart, continue to form us, shape us, guide us, and make us every bit of what you want us to be. Make us stronger in you today. That's our desire. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, the, the word is really a word of encouragement. We want to take a minute to think about the promises of God. The promises of God. See, There, there are a, a, an abundance of promises all throughout Scripture for each and every one of our lives, right here and right now. And then on top of that, I know that many of us in this room, how many in this room feel like God has spoken something to you or put something on your heart that he's, he's told you he wants to do this in you? He's given, a, given you a promise through his Holy Spirit. Yeah. His Spirit is living and active, and he's in, he's in process teaching us and growing us today. And everything the Holy Spirit tells us and shows us is going to fall in alignment with the Scripture. This is how we make sure that we're not going kind of off in the deep end with our, with our own emotions or with other entities speaking to us. And the Holy Spirit speaks always in alignment with the Holy Scripture, with the living, breathing Word of God. It will never contradict itself. In the Scriptures, as I mentioned, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of promises there that God has given to us that apply to us here and now. And I wonder if any of you can think of what some of these promises are, if something just kind of jumps right out at you when you think about promises in the Scripture. And also working with Jen. Oh, there I am. Yeah. <laughs> also working with Jen and helping with the kids program so much. And um, Jake, we so appreciate you. Um, what about the, this one? John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that, Yeah. Whoever believes will not perish. Whoever believes will live forever. That's a promise. That's a promise that we're living in now. What about this one? Anyone recall this one from Philippians? He will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's a promise. He will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Not according to what we see. Not according to what we can reach with our own hands. According to his riches in glory. And he said this in John 16, he promised us a comforter. He said, if I go, I will send to you a comforter who's here now with us. And that's the one who speaks to us each and every day. That's the one that those of you, you, God has put something on your heart. He's given you a promise. That's the one who communicated that to you, that comforter that Jesus promised because he fulfilled it. Anyone remember this one? From, this is from Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Yeah and you will be my witnesses. That's a promise from God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, whether or not we are tapping into that power and making use of it, that's another issue altogether. The promise is you will have access to power. You are given power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes within us. The power is there. And then I think of this one in John 14, when, when Jesus is preparing his disciples and he's letting them know kind of what's about to go down. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. There's a promise, number one right there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's for us today too. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. There's promise number two right there. I'm preparing a place for you. I will come back for you. I'm not leaving you there for good. This is not your destination. I'm coming back. There's more. You're just in the middle of the story right now. You got to read to the end. You got to watch the whole film. 
And then he says this, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. Promise number three, I will take you to be with me. I'm going to get something ready. And when it is, when this place is ready for you, I'm going to come back. I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you to that place. I'm going to fulfill this promise. It is going to happen because when the Lord says something, what? It is as good as done. It is as good as done because the Lord has said it. And so here we are together in this place waiting for the fulfillment of this promise. It's in process. See, it's, it's a progression. It's in the middle of happening right now. We, we are on this journey. We're on a trajectory that is leading us towards this place. But we're waiting. We're waiting. So hopping back into the story in Exodus chapter 23, we'll give you some of the backstory of what's happening here is Israel had just been uh, taken away and released from slavery in Egypt. They had been there for 400 years in captivity by the nation, nation of Egypt, which was the dominant world power of the time. This was the dominant nation of the entire known, known world there over there in the Middle East. And so now God works in a powerful way. Most of us know the story of the 10 plagues, the way that God intervened and basically shut Pharaoh down at everything he tried. To, every time he tried to stop and oppose what God was doing, the Lord said, no, moved him out of the way. And he, he removed his people from slavery. And so here they are and they're moving and God, and God brings them to the Red Sea. And even in this place where Israel is pinned between the Red Sea and then the armies of Egypt that are coming back and saying, no, no, we're going to bring you back into captivity. You, you've gotten beyond our, our, our territory now, but we're going to bring you right back where you came from. And, the, and even there, the Lord said, no. He brought his presence literally to stand between the people of God, Israel, and between the armies. And his presence now guarded Israel. And as it guarded them, the Lord began to open up the sea in a supernatural way, he opened up the sea and they walked through it on dry ground, looking at walls of water on either side. A miracle in the move of God, the promise of God, because he said he was going to bring them to the promised land and the time of fulfillment had come and they were on their way. So here they are, they're out in the desert now and they were past the Red Sea, that's all gone. The army of Egypt had been destroyed, that's in the past now. And here's, Israel is like, they're starting to get amped. They're like, okay, we're gonna go to the promised land now, finally. They don't know what any of this is. All this is just ideas that they're talking about that they've heard. Lord, the Lord has some special land. He's gonna give us our own land. We're not, we're not gonna have to just take orders anymore and just do what we're told. We're not gonna have to get beaten and whipped. We're gonna own our own land. See, land in these times was, was authority. Land was power. Land was wealth. And the Lord was, had promised to give that to them. So they have this in their mind. This is where they're going. But now, here they are in the middle of the desert. And the Lord is letting them know in advance kind of how it's going to go down. And he says this. That's when he says, I'm going to bring you to this promised land. And here enters the message that we just read. I'm going to send my terror ahead of you. I'm going to remove all the people that are right now inhabiting the land They've been caretakers of that land that has been given to you hundreds of years ago. I'm going to now bring you into it. And I'm going to remove all of the enemies from there and then bring you in. But then he says this in verse 29. Take another look at verse 29. But, there's, but I will not drive them out 
in a single year. See, God had given them a promise. I'm going to bring you to this land that, that I, I prepared for you. But it's going to happen in a process. It's not going to happen instantaneously like this. You've got to grow into this. You've got to move into this place. And he's letting them know in advance, this is how it's going to play out. But here they are in the desert, and this is not something that they wanted to hear. This is not something that they were really ready to receive with open arms. Like, okay, we're just thankful to not being, being beat anymore every single day. Like now we're, we have food provided for us. The Holy Spirit is going before us and leading us through this desert. Like where we can do this now. Instead, they begin to look at this and they begin to see the negatives. Having just walked through the Red Sea miraculously, all of a sudden they're looking at the pains that are lying in front of them. And now this leads to disappointment and frustration. Having just walked through a miracle, intervention in their lives. See, they didn't get the, the promised land immediately. And so now there's this disappointment. And how many of us, see, when we have these visions or God gives us pictures, I have, I've had these things, the Lord has kind of showed me these pictures of what he wants to accomplish and what he wants to do. And years go by. It's like, wait, you said, was that? And then you begin to think, was that you? Or was that like the ham sandwich I ate that was kind of bad? Like what? I thought you said you were going to do this. Like, it's been five years. There's things that God puts upon our hearts that are promises from the Holy Spirit. But then all of a sudden, they don't get realized immediately. Then all of a sudden, if anything, it looks like we went in, in the opposite direction. Like, he showed us this picture, and then now as far as we've already gone, like we've come this close to it, all of a sudden, after seeing that picture, we feel like we're ten times further away from that and so now this, disapp this disappointment comes in, it begins to take over, and it, and it can even feel like a painful process and hurt our hearts and, and cause just absolute discouragement. But the reason for something like this really is because of the expectations that we set for ourselves. Unrealistic expectations set us up for failure. They set us up for disappointment. See, for Israel, God gave them very clear expectations. I'm taking you there, and you're going to receive the whole land in process, in time. He's letting them know you're not going to get the whole thing at once. You have to grow into this. It's going to be a process you have to go through. Because he, he wasn't trying to confuse them. He was just laying it out. No surprises. This is where I'm taking you. Very calm. Let's move steadily together. We're going to do this. He let them know, but it wasn't enough for them. They saw the promise. They wanted it now. How many of us, like we live in a world that's all about instantaneous gratification, like now, like now or never. Like if you don't give it to me now, I got to find another way to go. I'll get it for myself. I'll handle it because we, we need it now. We don't, we don't appreciate the value of process, of thoroughness happening to prepare things. And so for us as a people, we often set our own expectations based on what we want instead of what God said. Because those are, those are two different things. We base our, promise, our, our expectations based on what we desire rather than what God said. See, we, and, and this comes too from this. It's, any of you who have, have children or have raised children, you know, they, have, they tend to have selective hearing. And you know, sometimes when it comes to the Lord, 
We have selective hearing. We hear what we want to hear, not what he actually said. Because when he said to the Israelites here, he said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, little by little, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, the promised land, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Don't you, it's right over their head. They missed the point. Not in a single year. You're not going to go through one summer, one fall, one winter, and one spring, and it's all yours for the taking. No. It's yours. It's there. But I'm going to, I'm going to parse it out to you as you are ready to receive it. So he said in verse 29, I'm not going to drive them out in that single year. In other words, there's going to be a struggle involved. You have to grow into God's promise. See, if we were in, in in the condition that we're in right now and who we are to this moment, if we were to receive all that God has for us, the, full, the fullness of his promise for us, even now, then, well, first of all, his plans probably wouldn't be all that special if we're actually in a condition where we, we can fully receive it right now. But not only that, if we did receive it now in the condition that we are, it would be crushing. We don't have the capacity. We don't have the structure. We don't have the understanding to receive the fullness of it. We need to grow into the promises of God. It's bigger than we can imagine. And so we need to be prepared for that. His plans for our life are too big for us to fit into them today in this given moment. He wants to grow us and give us wisdom and strength. See, he needs to increase us first so that we can now become big enough to handle the promises that are already en route. They're already in way, on their way to us, but he needs to increase us first. And to get to that place of increase is going to be a struggle. There's going to be some discomfort involved. There's going to be some pain as part of the process. Uh, for a few months now, my son Elijah, uh, he, he loves to, to run and he plays sports. He plays soccer and indoor football. And for a few months now, he's been having these pains in his knees. And for, for a long time, he would have the pain. It would go away. He'd have the pain. It would go away. But then now, this was like consistent for like three, maybe four months now. Every time he would run, the pain was constantly there, and it would increase to the point where now, even when he was not doing any physical activity, like it's constantly there in his, uh, in his knee. It just wouldn't go away. It's always this nagging pain. And so, since it wasn't going any way, there was no relief, uh, I started to get a little nervous, especially given the fact that knee problems are like in our family history. Like my dad, when he was a teenager, I think it was, uh, he tore the ACL in his, in his knee. And then in his 20s, tore the ACL in the other knee. So both of them gone. When I was 18 or 17, I tore the ACL, the ligament in my knee. And my football career is done. And so here now, Elijah's having this pains in his knee. And I'm thinking, no, man, he's only 12. Like this, you can't have that kind of problem, especially at 12. So, but of course, you know, we begin to think the worst. So we call and we set up an appointment to go see the doctor. And when we did, the doctor did an evaluation on him. They did an x-ray to take a closer look at exactly what's happening there. And sure enough, what he's experiencing is growing pains. (laughs) That's all it was. The bones are growing faster than the tendons. So the tendons aren't keeping up with the, the, the bones that are growing. And so now it's creating extra tension on those tendons that are trying to keep everything together. And it's wicked tight. 
And so this is where the aches and pains are coming. So there's increased pressure on his body because it's growing. It's increasing, but not all at the same pace. So what that does is it causes stress on different parts of the body because the bones grow. Then the tendons have to catch up. But then what about the, when the muscles grow? Now the bones have to have the strength to, and the density to hold that muscle together. There's an increase happening. And as that increase happens, there's pain and discomfort involved. It's not a bad thing that he's growing. This is good. This is good news. Thank you, God, that he's growing. I hope he gets taller than I am. <laughs> this is good news. But there's pain involved. There's pain involved. But it's where it's leading him. We know this is a good thing because he's going to, to be, he's be a healthy, normal young man. He's growing into that. And I think for many of us in this room, what we are experiencing is growing pains. When we're going through times of frustration or even confusion, not sure what's, what's happening in our lives or hurt, it's growing pains. The Lord is doing new things in our lives and he's expanding us. He's growing us. And so the discomfort that we feel is the natural pain that comes when things are expanding and increasing at different increments and different levels. So the doubts and questions that we start to think and consider in our mind, they don't come from a place of faith. They come from a place of fearing the worst. Well, well, I've seen, I've seen this out before. I, I've seen how, how this has affected other people. This is bad. This is not good. When I think about our family history how, how, and how it was so detrimental in our lives, you fear the worst. But it's not something to fear. God is increasing. He's bringing the increase. And it happens in a process. It doesn't happen immediately. The Lord reminds us in 1 John 4 that there is nothing to fear because perfect love, God, casts all that out. And so in times of fear or doubt, times of frustration, that's what we have to press into all the more. Set our sights upon God and his love. There's no fear there. There's no place for it. It doesn't fit. When our hearts are sincerely entrusted to the Lord, you know that you are in a secure place. And that's, that's as simply defined as, as it can possibly be. When your heart is trusted to the Lord, you are in a secure place. When your heart is surrendered to the Lord, you trust him. He has you right where he wants you. And there's nothing to fear in that place. The whispers may come and even some discomforts and pains may come. But not because it's a threat to your, to your safety, your health, your future. The pains in that time when you're surrendered to the Lord or because he's increasing and growing you in that time. See, when we feel these pains of growing, it causes, it causes a reaction in us. So when, the pain, when Elijah started feeling the pains, those intense knee pains, we knew that something wasn't right, and so we went to see the doctor, and what do you say? Nothing's wrong. Diagnosis, he's growing. Prescription, Rest. Take this brace so the knee doesn't bend for a while so the tendons can catch up. Instead of having more, te- more pressure put on it, stop using it. Rest. And so when we bring our concerns, when we bring our doubts, our pains to the Father, and he knows what he's doing, 
What's his prescription for us going to be? Rest. Rest. Don't keep using it the way you've been using it. Just rest. Just be still. You're going through a process. Don't try to force it. Don't try to pretend it's not there. Just keep doing what you've always been doing. Rest. Be still. In James 1, 2 to 3, it says this. Consider it joy when you face trials. He's growing us. He's strengthening you. He wants to make you stronger. He wants to increase your understanding. He wants to help you see things in new ways that you haven't seen them before. When you face trials of many kinds, consider it joy. Consider it's something that we choose to do. Consider that joy. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Be encouraged when we face frustrations. We're growing. God is growing in us. And if he's growing in us, that means he's preparing us. And if he's preparing us, that means he's going to bring us to the place, the promise. He's going to bring us to the place. See, the temptation for us when, when we are experiencing pain or discomfort is, is to react by trying to remove it. We don't like pain. See, we see pain that, that's negative, it's bad, anything. When it begins to happen, what do I need to do to remove pain? That's all we think about. The pain demands our attention, right? So we see pain, okay, how do I eliminate this? This is bad. This is what pain tends to do to us. But if we get in the, involved in when it's growing pains and we try to eliminate that pain, we can, we can potentially even cause more damage or slow down the growing process. It's interestingly, most medicines today that treat pain, they're, they're treating pain or symptoms of, of the actual root of what's happening rather than dealing with the root of the issue. And see, the issue is when, when we do take this route, we try to find the shortcut just to eliminate the discomfort, eliminate the pain. What we create in us, we, 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 we aren't recognizing the root of the issue. And then also this prescription, these measures that we take to eliminate discomfort, it creates numbness. It creates a numbness in, in us. And so numb is not something that the Lord wants you to be. As we grow in him, our spirit becomes more sensitive to what he is speaking to us. So he's trying to make us more sensitive. If we take pain and we try to address it and remove it, what we're trying to do is create numbness. What we're trying to do is we're we're building up a callus so that when he moves us, we don't feel it. It doesn't affect us in the same way. No, he wants you to feel the discomfort. He wants you to feel the discomfort so that when he whispers could hear exactly what he's saying. But if he drops a pin, you can hear it. You won't miss a beat. He's bringing you deeper. He's increasing you and making you stronger. But it requires us listening to the pain and just resting, resting in that place. See, instead of concentrating on the pain and say, okay, how do I eliminate this? We need to look at pain as an, it's, it's an indicator is what it is. It's a gauge. So we want to look at pain as, as more of, if, of an arrow. It's not something that, okay, this is all we're concentrating on, but it's pointing somewhere. Stop looking at it and look at the direction it's trying to send us in. Look at this. It's, it's, it's giving us a message. And so if, if we're, when we're uncomfortable, when we're frustrated, 
It's given us a message. The Lord is showing us something. He wants us to give attention to something. Pain often leads us to our purpose if we're willing to follow the directions. If we're willing to follow where it's sending us. Instead of just eliminate it altogether, follow it. Listen to what it's telling us to do, what the Father is trying to teach and grow in us so that it can, it can be, come to fruition. We don't get in the way of what he wants to do. Instead, we allow him to complete the work that he's begun in us. So there's nothing that we can do to speed up the process, especially for those Israelites in the desert. There was no way that they were going to be able to, to speed up the process of taking over that land. There was a process that was set in place, and there's purpose in that process. Nothing that we can do can, can be a, a quick fix to get us to that place. Matter of fact, any effort on our own to try to speed up the process can only slow it down. Can only potentially even cause more damage. Or even possibly uh, a permanent, permanent damage. See, pain signify, normally signifies a problem, but in, in this case... There's no problem. There's no danger. There's nothing to fear. And so when our initial reaction is to fear, in that place, now we need to capture ourselves. We need to arrest that fear and say, this doesn't fit here. Because if the fear is allowed to reside and we're just considering, instead of considering joy, we see pain and we consider fear, fear is going to be the driver. Fear doesn't belong as the driver in any believer's life. Jesus Christ alone is the one who steers our life now. So we have to rehearse the goodness of God so that we're constantly considering joy so that when the pains come, we know who is the author, where that pain is coming from. We know that there's a purpose for it. So now it's joy, the joy from the Holy Spirit that now continues to steer us in the right direction rather than the the driver of, of fear, rather than considering fear and letting that take precedence in our mind. Fear can only harm us and work against what God is doing. See, for the Israelites, fear caused them in the desert to freeze up. They're at the edge of the promised land. As as our our speaker last week, Paul, was sharing with us, at the edge of the promised land, they go in and they see it, and they see the people that God warned them about. They see what he had already told them was going to be there. So now they're seeing it happen, and somehow it surprised them, and fear came over. And instead of joy, seeing the abundance of this fruitful land, they see the inhabitants that God already told them about, and that stopped them, and fear arrested them instead of them arresting the fear. They froze. They froze. What's more, when they, when they began to face these trials and this fear, remember what they did when they were in the desert? Take us back back to Egypt. At least there we had better meals and a variety of foods. Fear will cause us to freeze up or even worse, it will cause us to want to go back to our old life, the old way of doing things. And when we're experiencing growing pains, it's demanding from us a different action for what we've done in the past. He's taking us into a new season. He's calling us to new things. I need to do new things. It's requiring of us participation. He's inviting us into this because he doesn't force you or drag you by the heels anywhere. He's growing you, but you need to choose if you want to go into that growth. Do you want it? Do you accept it? 
For the Israelites, and their, their, their fear caused them to freeze. They want to go back to Egypt. And that generation of Israel never experienced the promise of God fulfilled. God said, I have a land for you. I promise I will bring you to it. He brought them to it, and they refused to enter. And then you say, God, why won't you fulfill my promise? You're standing on the edge of it. Why aren't you walking into it? I promised I was going to give this to you. Why aren't you receiving it? Yeah, there's a little discomfort involved. Yes, there's no surprises here. I warned you about that. Following, following Christ, there's sacrifices involved. It is costly, but the rewards far outweigh the cost. So he brings us to the promise, but because the fear of the Israelites, that promise, they never were able to receive it. They refused. They walked away from it. For us, God has made promises over our lives. Through scripture, general promises to all of us as people, and even promises individually over each and every one of your lives. For those of you who are in tune and have heard that, there's a promise for you. You will receive it. You will, you will realize it. You will live in that if you will follow and not let fear be the driver. If you consider the joy, if you allow the pain to be there, to exist, and then grow into the increase he's trying to bring you. It's requiring of us different action. We need to do things differently than we used to do them. For Elijah, with those growing pains, that meant his football season was over. There's no more running or jumping or playing any sports for a number of weeks, possibly months. He needs to stop so that the growth can happen in a healthy way and he doesn't cause more damage. For us, we need to do things differently. In the season of growth, we need to give ourselves rest. What does that look like? We need to limit our commitments. If we're saying yes to opportunities and to people more often than we're saying no, you're doing it wrong. And it's so hard because I am the worst offender. I want to help people. I want to say yes whenever asked. But the reality is, every time you say yes, you are choosing to say no to all these other things. We have to get good at saying no. We have to limit our commitments. Because this is one of the the best tactics of the enemy is to keep our mind and our hands occupied doing something all the time. And it's all such good things. It's healthy. We're we're, we're investing our time serving people or or we're we're involving, we're we're taking classes or courses or or learning how to do new skills or or even exercise. And we're we're doing these things to to stay in shape. We're challenging ourselves. We're growing. But this this is the way of the world. This is the way that, this is the process that the world will follow to continue to refine itself where the Lord just says, I'll give you what you need in time, but you need to rest. We've got to say no more than we say yes. We have to uh, intentionally, purposely make time to be still with God and give him space to speak, give him space to work on our hearts. The second thing that we need to do along with uh, giving ourselves rest is give ourselves nourishment. We need to be taking in and digesting the word of God. We need to allow our spirit to soak up the living word of God. Not just read it like words on a page, 
but take it in, drink it into our spirit and let the Lord teach us through these things. Through practicing some of the spiritual disciplines, this now is how we actively participate in what God's trying to do in us. This is how we engage in the growing pains and allow the growth and the increase to happen. Give time for prayer. Give time to intentionally communicate to the Lord. Not while we are running errands. Not while we are doing these other things. No, no. Saying no to other things so that we can say yes directly to God in prayer. You and the Lord communicating. Simplicity, the spiritual discipline of simplicity. Not not building up our schedules and complicating our lives. Spiritual discipline of fasting, choosing, choosing to put our personal needs aside and put God first for periods of time. Spiritual discipline of of journaling, writing out what we're feeling, what the Lord is saying to us, what the scriptures that we read, that's a way of digesting and processing how he communicates to us. Of meditating upon the Lord and meditating upon scripture. There's something, um, one uh, activity that I think I always find so beneficial is, is a way of prayer that's called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. And it's basically a way of reading the scripture that you're intentionally allowing it to um, really sink into your spirit. And there's four components of that if you want to write it down. When you, when you practice this activity of Lectio Divina, it begins with the word. You say, you say a quick prayer and you begin reading the word. And you're reading very slowly, very deliberately, deliberately reading. And just watching for the Holy Spirit to kind of highlight. Maybe there's a sentence in there. Maybe there's a phrase in there that just kind of hits you in a different way. Maybe you have a question about it, something about it. Or, or it seems like a strong statement. There's something there that stands out to you in some way, shape, or form. And so in that place, you just pause. In that place, you just pause and you, med- you meditate upon the scripture and what that's saying to you. Some, some way, somehow, the Holy Spirit is trying to sh- show you something through that. So you pause and you meditate upon that. And as he begins to, to show you and bring it to clarity, what he is communicating, then you pray through that. Pray that scripture, the thing that he's, he's illuminating into your heart. Pray that into your lives. And then once you've prayed, just sit there and spend a, a few minutes of contemplation. Contemplation, which... Um, one way to think of it is just, you're just kind of chilling with the Lord. You're just processing what just happened. You're processing the word that he gave you. You're processing the word that you gave him back in prayer, praying through that word. And you're just letting it kind of simmer. You're letting it settle. And I've always found that to be uh, in very powerful times uh, with the Lord through Lectio Divina. But it's these things that we have to intentionally do. Give ourselves time to rest and make sure that we're nourishing our spirit, because it's our spirit that he's trying to grow. See, as followers of Christ, our scenery should always be shifting and changing. Not because we're moving to different physical places, but because our eyes are being transformed. Our hearts are being transformed. We internally are being transformed. So now when we see things, we see things with different eyes. It looks differently. We begin to live almost like in a different reality. Our eyes are open to what's really happening around us. And now we're more in tune with it. So it's this this process of growth that lasts a lifetime. As believers, from the moment that we 
place our faith in Christ to the moment that we breathe our last breath on this earth, we are in a growth process. And some of those, some of those seasons of, of growth where all of the parts of the body have, have, are, are fitting right, they're all kind of the same size, we feel strong, we feel good, we feel healthy, we feel like we can do anything in the name of the Lord for his glory. And then there's other seasons where we feel kind of weak, just kind of dragged out. There's seasons where, where we, feel, we feel like there's, there's some damage. We, maybe we strained ourselves too hard. We need healing. We go through seasons, but there's always growth happening as a believer. It never stops. It never stops. So God says to the Israelites, little by little, I will drive them out before you. He told Israel, the whole land is yours. It's ready for you, but you aren't ready for the whole land. See, they would receive it when they were ready. He said, little by little, I'm going to grow you and increase you, and then I'm going to give you more land. And now you have more room to grow. And as you grow and increase, now I'm going to give you more land still because now you can grow into it. It's this process. It's a continual process. So the promises of God are are received in process. It's in a progression. It's not a process that necessarily sounds very supernatural. Sounds like a very natural thing. I'm going to give you a little bit. You steward it well, you grow into it, then I'm going to give you a little bit more. It doesn't sound very miraculous or exciting because we just want the boom, now, here it is. But he said, no, little by little, little by little, be faithful with it. Let me grow you so that I can give you more. I want to grow you. I want to give you more, but I'm not going to let it be something that um, damages you or causes harm to you. See, there's a purpose in, in this progression of, of a promise. There's purpose in that. And for Israel, he needed to protect them. There's two things that he needed to protect in this season. He wants to bring them to the promised land, but he said it's not going to happen all at once. In verse 29, he, the first thing that he said is that, I'm not going to give it to you in a single year because the land would become desolate. He said the land would become desolate if I wipe out everyone all at once and you might now move in. Because if they were to take the whole land before they, had, they were big enough and they had enough people to care for the land, then the vegetation of that land is going to die out. And the value of that land will be lost. See, God was protecting the promise. He wanted them to have the full riches of, the, of that promise. And if he gave it all at once, then the true value, the richness of that would be lost. It would be gone because they couldn't manage it well. It would be lost. So when we think that God is delaying things, there's a reason for it. He's actually protecting the thing that he promised so that it will still be there when we're ready to really receive it all. The second thing he says that uh, I'm not going to give it to you all in a year because the wild animals are too numerous for you. In verse 29, it says, the wild animals are too numerous for you. If the land became inhabited only by the people of Israel and all the others were, were already wiped out all with one, with one swipe, the number of wild animals would be detrimental to the people. It would actually be a danger for them to live there. There's too many wild animals. So by not giving them the whole promise at once, he was protecting the people. You see, God has purpose in everything that he does. He's protecting the promise and preserving it for you. 
He's protecting you so you'll still be alive and well when, the, when you're ready to receive the promise. It's easy for us to become discouraged as we're going through this process. Grow a little bit, receive a little bit. Grow a little bit, receive a little bit. Especially because the whole way there's different seasons of discomfort that are involved. It's not a comfortable thing. But it's a good thing. See, we tend to overestimate ourselves and our capabilities. When we think we're ready, I, I feel, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like if the Lord were just to drop a million dollars in my bank account, I think I could do a pretty good job with that. <laughs> but somehow he's not doing it. Somehow it's not there. See, we tend to overestimate our abilities. We think of ourselves higher than we ought sometimes. But the Lord knows what we're, uh, what we're able to do. He knows what we, can, what we have the capability of. And he's protecting us. And he's protecting his promise for you. It still belongs to you. It's all yours. But he's dispersing it. He's parsing it out in times as we're ready to receive it. I want to conclude with three verses here. If you want to jot them down, feel free to do that. The first one is this. It's from Proverbs 13, 12. And Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Sometimes when we have a promise of God and we see the promises of God, we feel We're hopeful, we're excited, and then when we don't realize it, when it's not there, we begin to say, well, what happened? What gives? Like you said, this is going to happen. We feel like it's being deferred. But the reality is, it's being passed out to us in pieces as we're ready. And if there's any delay happening, it's only because we have gotten ourselves involved in the process and we've slowed down. We've gotten in our own way. And we've slowed down this process of increase, this process of growth. His promise is a process, and we are going to receive all of it. Second verse is this, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. And this is the Apostle Paul, and he said this, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man... I put the ways of childhood behind me. Growth demands new actions. If we're going to grow up, if we're going to increase, if the Lord is going to build us, it, it demands new actions on our part. We cannot keep doing the same old. It's requiring new behaviors from us, new disciplines. It's causing us to not just look at the pain, but look ahead to where the pain is leading you into the promised land. He's bringing you to that promise. Philippians 4, 6 is the final verse. Philippians 4, 6, where it it says here, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time because that's so good. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Because God's promise is being fulfilled in you and around you. And as we move with him, now we are ready to receive the fullness of his promises in the perfect timing. Now we truly will receive little and by little, by little, by little. 
as we keep our hope in him, as we continue to consider joy through trial and allow the, the discomfort of growing pains to just cause us to rest, nourish our spirit, and allow him to complete the work in us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that when you saved us, you didn't just call us to um, sit here and wait, just wait for you to return. You promised you're preparing a place. You promised you're going to come back and take us to that place, but you didn't, you didn't call us to sit here and stay the same and do the same old things while we wait for you. You're calling us to yourself. And I thank you for the growing pains because I know that's a good sign. That's a positive thing. This increase happening. You're stirring in our hearts. You want to lead us into new territory. You want us to experience new things. And you're going to do it. But you're going to make sure that we are prepared for the journey. That we're ready to step into the new territory. Because you will not set us up for destruction. That is one thing I am sure of. That when you lead us to a place, you are not setting us up for a trap. We will not be harmed. You keep us safe. And because you keep us safe, you have to prepare us in advance. So, Lord, would you help us to be a people that receive your preparation, that receive your training, even when the training ground is difficult and uncomfortable. Help us, God, to be a people that accept every training session that you lead us into, every discomfort that we encounter, to allow that to mold us, to prepare us, so that we're ready to receive the next portion that you want to give. Help us, Father, and show us what certain things in our lives that need to begin to happen differently? Things to me that we need to, to, to say no to and stop doing. Things that we need to, to in, be intentional and purposeful about starting to do. Recall us back to the basics, Jesus, to simply give you attention. And in giving you attention, taking away our attention all of these other things that are swirling around in our lives to shut the door on those things. So even if they're happening in proximity to us, not necessarily in our lives, we shut the door. So it doesn't even, we don't even see it anymore. We don't even see it from the, from the, the corner of our eye. The door's closed. There's no room for that. All of our attention is guided and directed to you. We don't want to miss out on any promise that you have for us. God, we want to experience all of it. And as we give you our, all of our hearts and lives, I know that will receive every bit of it. Thank you for your goodness. We love you. We honor your holy name. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, family. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed.